0: It seems kind of hopeless right now, but you're going to figure this out. This is pretty debilitating.
1: I'm able to turn my pain into purpose. There are people out in the world that do understand what you're going through. Welcome to Major Pain. I'm your host, Jesse Mercury, and this week we'll be speaking with Serena about their duo of chronic pain conditions, trigeminal neuralgia, and complex regional pain syndrome. These conditions are known as two of the most painful chronic pain conditions, and Serena has been diagnosed with both of them. According to the mayoclinic.org, trigeminal neuralgia causes pain in areas supplied by the trigeminal nerve. These areas include the cheek, jaw, teeth, gums, or lips. Less often, the eye and the forehead may be affected. Complex regional pain syndrome, or CRPS, happens when someone suffers an injury, that injury heals, but the pain doesn't go away, and the pain is often disproportionate to the injury. Serena spent years trying to convince their doctors to take their pain seriously. In fact, in 2023, they went to the International Research Foundation for RSD and CRPS in Florida. RSD being Reflex Sympathetic Dystrophy, which is another name for CRPS. And it was at this research foundation that Serena was diagnosed with CRPS. Serena's journey has been complicated by the fact that they do not have health insurance. They've been turned down five times for insurance in Tennessee due to stringent qualification laws, and they've also been turned down three times for disability. I was very interested to hear from Serena how they get through the day living with two conditions that cause this much pain. What keeps Serena going is they want to be there for friends and family, spread awareness about what they're living through, and help others to have their voices heard. It's a great conversation that I'm honored to be sharing on the podcast, and we'll get to it in just a few minutes. If you're enjoying this podcast, I very much need your support to keep it going. There are some great ways to support the show, including our Patreon campaign, our affiliation with Rare Patient Voice, or leaving us positive ratings and reviews, and you can learn about all the ways to support Major Pain over on our website at majorpainpodcast.com slash support. I'll remind you, as always, that my guest and I are not medical professionals. Please do not take any medical action based off what you hear on this podcast without first consulting your doctor. And with that, we'll jump into our conversation with Serena about trigeminal neuralgia and complex regional pain syndrome. Serena, welcome to the podcast.
0: Hello. Thank you for having me.
1: Yeah, I'm really excited to talk to you today. You live with some very painful diseases. And I I'm, yeah, I'm excited to learn all about it. But before we get into that, let's get to know you a little bit. So, Serena, why don't you tell us about yourself?
0: Sure. So, I am 28 years old. I am from the southern part of the United States, uh, Tennessee. I am a musician, artist, and cosplayer, and uh, a gamer.
1: Oh, wow. Okay. Well, I got to ask you about that. What sort of cosplay do you do?
0: So I enjoy, uh, you know, cosplaying as uh, all sorts of different characters. I like going to conventions. Uh, It's been a few years, you know, quite a while since I've actually done it, you know, the pandemic and everything. And Mm. But yeah, I enjoy going as anime and gaming characters and that kind of thing.
1: Awesome. Very fun. I'm a huge Star Trek nerd and I've done My fair share of Star Trek cosplay. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. um, It's a good time. What's your like franchise of choice? If you could only cosplay one thing, what would it be?
0: Oh gosh. Um, Probably uh, any character from the Dot Hack series. I love uh, the gaming and anime series that is Dot Hack. Hmm. Yeah. 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 You said franchise, but I, I would say, though, that's kind of like the series I would pick.
1: Yeah. Awesome. I'm unfamiliar with that one. That's interesting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, not well known. It's well, the later games were sort of well known for like the PS4, but it uh, it's kind of obscure, especially the anime.
1: Yeah. Wow. Interesting. Awesome. Well, let's get into your your health journey. So Serena, what is your major pain?
0: I have been diagnosed with trigeminal neuralgia and uh, CRPS, also known as reflex sympathetic dystrophy.
1: Yeah, CRPS complex regional pain syndrome. Yeah. Um yeah, and these are, you know, known as two of the most painful diseases on the planet. But let let's define these for people who are not familiar. So what is trigeminal neuralgia?
0: Trigeminal neuralgia is a neuropathic pain condition that affects the face, uh maybe parts of the head sometimes, but it's usually, you know, known to be in the face. It uh It causes excruciating pain, uh, you know, shocks, uh, stabbing pains, uh, you know, notably like in the, in the gums and in the eyes and, uh, just jaw area. It's, uh, it's very difficult to live with.
1: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Where is the worst pain located on your face? Is there like a specific spot that, that hurts the worst?
0: Yes, um, I, w- I would say it's kind of in my, um, like my sinus cavity up in my nose and my forehead. Hmm. Like I can feel like a stabbing, almost like there's a bar up in my face. <laughs>
1: Oof, yeah. yeah. Do you know anything about the functionality of how this disease works? Like what is the process taking place that is causing this pain?
0: Yes, so usually there is a nerve somewhere in your face that is uh, pinched or... Um, pressing against the trigeminal branch up in the head, that nerve.
1: Mm, Interesting, the trigeminal branch. And what can they do about that? If you have a a pinched nerve that's causing this pain constantly, is there anything that can be done?
0: Yes. um, So there are a couple of methods. Uh, They can do gamma knife surgery on the nerve. Um, They can do a a, a slightly invasive uh, brain surgery called NVD. I don't... (laughs) i i I don't plan to get this surgery myself but i um i know that that's what some patients uh do to get Mm. rid of this pain there are muscle relaxers that can be prescribed you know gabapentin too um just all sorts of uh, different kinds of medications can help alleviate this illness
1: and then tell me about crps what what is complex regional pain syndrome
0: so, CRPS is a neuropathic inflammatory disease uh, similar to uh, TN, trigeminal neuralgia. So, the brain sends signals down to the site of an injury. Yeah. Uh, usually, uh, it affects a limb on your body. Um, it can affect like your hand, arm, foot, leg, or legs. Of course, you know, as we mentioned, it's very, very painful. Uh, there, there is a foundation uh, in the UK called Burning Nights, which describes the burning pain you feel and the um, the, the neuropathy that is involved with this uh, disease. And it is also oh. progressive. Um, it can get worse over time and spread throughout your body.
1: Yeah, we've done a couple of really great episodes of the podcast about CRPS. And uh, something we discussed is there's oftentimes an injury that heals normally, but the pain doesn't go away from that injury. Is that what happened to you?
0: Yes. Um, so the pain is disproportionate, you yeah. know, on the injury side to what it should be. So my case is actually very weird and mysterious. Um, I fractured my left foot when I was eight years old. Wow. I had a lot of, um, fractures around that time in my childhood as well, or, or not fractures, I'm sorry, sprains, sprains. So even a sprain can cause a uh, CRPS, believe it or not. Wow. So what's weird is it took, it, it took about 18 years for me to develop CRPS. So fracture wow. happened when I was eight, when I was 26 years old, it, the symptoms started really appearing for me.
1: Wow. That's fascinating. I've never heard of a delayed onset like that. Mm-hmm. It, was there a triggering event 18 years later? Was there any sort of new trauma that caused this to happen or did it just start out of nowhere?
0: Well, so, my trigeminal neuralgia was caused by what we think was an injury, but the c r p s was just kind of uh random actually um wow. yeah, and it started two months after my t n pain
1: interesting so and when did the t m pain start
0: uh September first of twenty twenty one
1: okay so so you're just in constant pain <laughs> yes. you're in Two varieties of constant pain, both of right. which are considered to be, like we said, two of those most painful diseases. I mean, how do you get through the day?
0: Well, so, you know, you were saying two of the most painful diseases, they actually are the two most painful on the McGill Pain Index. Throughout my day, I, I have, <laughs> so I have this CBD gel that helps me. Um, it's roll on. Mm. When I'm having a TN flare, I'll, I'll roll it on my face and it actually helps quite a bit. Um, I carry this with me all the time. Um, So I do use a mobility aid for my CRPS, which has spread to both feet at this point. Um, I, yeah, so I use a cane wherever I go. Mm -hmm. Um, In most cases, there's some days I have really good days where I don't need it, but I would describe these illnesses as debilitating. Yeah. You're in so much pain that sometimes you get brain fog. Uh, it can cause um, anxiety and depression. And um, it's definitely um, not something to be taken lightly. I've, I've had um, a lot of medical professionals, unfortunately, not believe me.
1: Yeah. I'm so sorry to hear that. That's so frustratingly common. It, is there like fluctuation day to day in the amount of pain that you will be in? Do you have good days and bad days?
0: Yes. And... In my opinion, that's why it is most definitely a disability because you're mm. going ha- it's, to, it's so unexpected. Like you're going to have a good day and then you're going to have like several bad days, or you might have a couple of good days, a bad day, and then following it's different.
1: Yeah, totally. And you, it's so hard to plan. You can never know how much pain you're going to be in from day to day. And like you said, it's not just pain. I mean, if you're in a lot of pain, that is going to distract you. It's going to take up precious real estate in your nervous system. So, (laughs) and I have a lot of experience being in pain as well. Uh, Very different type of pain, but I can very much relate to the unpredictable nature of how it affects your life from day to day. You know, you want to go hang out with friends, you want to go do something fun, but it's not fun if you're in a loud, crowded room and you're in a lot of pain. So, you're always kind of making these Uh, weighing the options, making decisions based off of what your body needs versus what you want to do. And it kind of rules an aspect of your life in a way that no one would choose. Right. Let's talk about your journey. Uh, So you said you started this journey at eight years old. Take me back to when you were eight. What was the original accident? What happened?
0: Oh, man. So the story is... (laughs) It's I wouldn't describe it as humorous, but what I was doing to cause the injury is actually ironic. So I was (laughs) I was in um, a grocery store with I think it was my mother and my grandmother. And I was at the time in a karate course. (laughs) I was only eight, you know, and I I was I was all like I was being silly in this grocery store and I was practicing my moves. I actually slipped on my left foot and fell and fractured it right then and there
1: in the grocery store
0: yes
1: (laughs) wow and what was the initial injury like what was the severity how long did it take to recover
0: you know it's weird because it was like any other fracture you know I I went to a doctor a pediatrician at the time Uh, he put it in a cast he said well yes and you know he did the x-ray this is a fracture um, you're, you're, you're going to need a couple of weeks at least to let it heal. I had to be on crutches. I can remember being in grade school and going to class. So it healed and I got the cast off at first, you know, I, I got to walking again and I noticed over the course of the next few months, something wasn't right. I would kind of, I would limp a little bit. Um, I kind of, I would hear the fracture start kind of popping. Mm. Like, yeah, like it didn't, it never healed quite right. So, and this happened for the next, uh, 18 or yeah, 18 years. It, it would just pop sometimes.
1: Yeah. Interesting. How is your health over those next 18 years? Was there any other sign that, you know, a strange chronic illness was about to kick off and, and, you know, turn on and stay on. Was there anything else in there? You know, were you getting sick a lot? Anything like that?
0: Well, so again, it's it's very interesting because when I was probably about um, I'd say twenty to twenty two, I was in college. I began um, experiencing uh, costochondritis in my chest. Mm. Um, I was having like kind of flares. I could feel it. I had to go to the ER at one point. What so what is going,
1: costochondritis?
0: It's so you feel like this um, this pain in your chest. It's like inflam. It's like it's inflamed. And um, I was having this stabbing and burning pain, you know, and I went to the ER. and like, I feel like my chest wall is like hurting. Hmm. They just said, oh, OK, well, you know, you have this and um, just take some meds. You'll be fine. It got better. However, um, it I could feel it now and then throughout the next few years. And I have read that apparently um, costochond- costochondritis is uh, associated with fibromyalgia and hmm. also in rare cases, CRPS. So, Interesting. Yeah, you and, can feel it.
1: So inflammation, is it—is it like an infection, maybe like bacterial or viral that causes that? No?
0: No, it's just it's just inflamed muscles around the chest. Interesting.
1: Yeah. And is that one of those things where they don't really know why it happens or what causes it?
0: In a lot of cases, no, they don't know.
1: Wow. Okay. So some sort of mysterious inflammatory process at work, kind of yeah. coming and going, not necessarily taking over your life, but... A, a piece of the mystery.
0: Yeah. There's more actually. So oh. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, but wait, there's more. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so this is, um, you know, this is just part of CRPS, but I began having some urinary issues around that age okay. uh, yeah. too. You know, couldn't, you know, couldn't hold it and all that kind of thing. And, mm. and we didn't, we you know we were thinking what is going on. And, I would go to doctors, urologists, and they couldn't find anything. They couldn't find a cause for it again. And um, I also began having numbness and tingling in my hands and feet. Interesting. Yes.
1: Yeah. And what did your doctors tell you? Did they give you any sort of explanation? Mm -mm. (laughs) Nothing. None. Yeah. and I mean, speak on that feeling of going to doctors, knowing something is wrong. You know your body. You can feel something is off. They can't figure it out. It's just, you know, I don't know. Go home and see what happens. How does that make you feel?
0: It it gives me a feeling of fear. And uh, just, you know, it's like I'm, I'm not being listened to. I'm not being validated or believed when mm. I'm having all this uh, pain. And it's, you know, and all these symptoms. It's like, well, something is wrong with my body. So if you're not going to listen to me, I feel like I'm going to have to take this into my own hands, which I ended up doing later.
1: Yeah. Uh, And what what did you do to take it in your own hands?
0: Well, I can tell you, um, when I first had my trigeminal neuralgia pain in 2021, they were trying to tell me at my hospital that I just had a complex migraine. And I knew that is not what was happening. And uh Yeah, I I ended up just uh, doing my own research, researching symptoms, neurological conditions. uh, What, you know, what is this? And I finally, they started believing me because the pain was constant. It kept reoccurring. It kept happening. Mm. And that's um, a complex migraine is not every single day, every day of your life.
1: Were you able to sort of convince doctors you know, this isn't a complex migraine. This has to be something else.
0: Yes. Eventually it took months, but yes.
1: Yeah. what What's the timeline here? So 2021 is when the trigeminal neuralgia kicks off. How far before that were, were the issues with costochondritis, strange inflammation and these urinary issues happening? Was that like a couple of years before?
0: Costochondritis, I believe was in 2019. Um okay. The urinary problem started. Oh my goodness. I want to say like 2016, 2017. Oh, for a while. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I, you know, I relate to this too of this thing of this new strange symptom has started and it won't go away. And I don't know why. I don't know what it is. Doctors have no idea how to help me. And I just have to learn how to deal with it. And then mm-hmm. you just start to accumulate those. It's like this chronic illness tumbleweed rolling down a hill, and you just pick up these other symptoms that don't go away. And that feeling is so frustrating.
0: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, what happens next?
0: Okay. So, um, after I managed to convince a doctor, something else was going on with my TN pain, uh, the CRPS started. So, you know, this was in 2021. Um, I had to go to the ER one night again. uh, I probably went a total of five times alone in 2021. I went this first time for CRPS. It turned out like my, okay, so my spine, I was having shooting pains down my spine. I was having the pain in my feet to where I couldn't hardly walk. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, at first, you know, they thought, oh, well, maybe you have fibromyalgia. And at first, you know, well, you know, I thought, well, maybe this is possible. And, uh, you know, after a while I did my own research, I kept trying to look things up and I came across complex regional pain syndrome. Yeah. Uh, I tried to convince my doctors for two years that, you know, something's going on. I went to a neurologist in my area. She just kind of gave up. She did a bunch of blood tests. Uh, my ANA titer came back very abnormal. Um, she said, this is mm. like a connective tissue disease type result, like lupus mm. or MS or, or something or just something that like that, that's going on. Yeah. Uh, they tested me for all of those things. And I was negative.
1: Yeah. And I know that feeling of like, I want the test to be positive because I want to know what's happening.
0: Right. And CRPS generally doesn't show up in, sure. in blood tests.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Which is very unfair. <laughs> yeah. Not only do you have to be painful, but you don't show up on tests. What are do you doing, in CRPS? That is super rude.
0: <laughs> but, you know, it, it was just a journey of just trying to figure out what is wrong with me. Something bad is wrong. I'm losing yeah. my ability to be mobile to and it was it was progressing it was getting worse um it's terrifying
1: yeah absolutely do you mind if i ask how old you are
0: oh uh i think i said so at the beginning of the podcast but i'm 28
1: 28 okay so you're like Uh 26 uh ish when when this is starting to happen that's a horrifying time to be losing mobility losing functionality yeah were you able to eventually convince your doctors to look into crps
0: sadly that didn't happen in this area um yeah because they knew nothing about it they didn't know what it was so in 2023 august of this year after battling this for almost two years we went down to florida to the international research foundation for rsd and crps he saw me uh the doctor there and he was able to confirm that my neuropathic pain was most consistent with CRPS. And he diagnosed wow. me.
1: Wow. That's amazing. I mean, chronic illness patients, chronic pain patients, we have to jump through hoops sometimes to get what we need, which is, you know, a diagnosis and to see top people in the field. And sometimes that means, you know, going to other states, which is really hard. And <laughs> when you're in yeah. a lot of pain, travel is really hard as well. Um what, what's the process like for him to confirm that? Like, what what are the markers or the, you know, what are the specifics that he's looking for to diagnose you?
0: Well, see, um, there are different methods to, you know, test for CRPS. But basically, um, he asked me about my symptoms. Uh, he asked me about my mobility uh, and just what has been happening to me. Um, he uh, also did an allodynia test. He would press. Mm an instrument against my skin, different parts of my body. And he would press until it hurt. And he told me after this test, he said, this is one of the most abnormal cases of allodynia I've ever seen. You're, you're so sensitive that even a touch can hurt you.
1: Yeah. What What is allodynia?
0: Well, allodynia is, as I described, it, it, it means you're like your skin and just uh, different places on your body. It, it can be that. Um, it's so sensitive to touch that like you like even a feather against your skin and with with some people can cause pain. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not it's disproportionate again. And it um, like he would barely press into my skin and I would, I would hurt. I'd say stop.
1: Yeah. This is, this reminds me a lot of uh, one of my diagnoses, which is small fiber neuropathy. Mm -hmm. Um, Is that something you're familiar with?
0: I believe I've heard of it, and I could probably take a few guesses as to what it.
1: Yeah, is. <laughs> yeah. So I, I have mast cell activation syndrome, and it, you know, basically my uh, certain type of white blood cells are releasing chemical mediators into my bloodstream all the time. Uh-huh. And when it was uncontrolled because I didn't have a diagnosis, that can damage your nerve fibers over time, which mm-hmm. can cause something called small fiber neuropathy. And it's that like you know, touch is in- incredibly painful. Um, like a blanket on your skin feels like something's like ripping across your skin. And also like tingly sensations, and that we believe that's what was causing my legs to not function. Um, I used a wheelchair for a couple of years. But once I got a diagnosis and got on mast cell stabilizers, all of that got better. So we're thinking that, you know, small fiber neuropathy was caused by mast cell activation. But there's a skin biopsy you can do where they take a punch out of your skin and look at the nerve fibers to see, like, are they shortened, which would be consistent with, you know, nerve damage for small fiber neuropathy, and mine was positive, so I actually got, like, a physical test that said, hey, you have chronic pain, which was, like, so hard to get, you know, I was 38 when I did that test, and I've been dealing with pain on and off for most of my life, but a lot of what you're saying reminds me of that, I was just curious if that's something that your doctors had looked into.
0: Uh, It is not. The CRPS specialists seem to think uh, CRPS is the answer. Uh, yeah. But- I'm
1: not trying to say I don't think you have yeah. the right. I'm not saying that at all. I'm, you yes. know, but there's often like multiple things happening sometimes at once. And, you know, it's good Absolutely. to have all the information you can have. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, people go through, you know, such intense journeys to get any sort of diagnosis. And doctors sometimes don't agree on certain diagnoses. I've been misdiagnosed with, you know, Lyme disease, fibromyalgia, uh, I've been misdiagnosed with chronic migraines as well. Um, You know, there's a lot of things that doctors often want to, you know, pin complex cases on because sometimes it can be an easier way to give some sort of resolution to the patient and move on to the next patient, which I understand is necessity. I mean, doctors are dealing with a lot that we don't understand. (laughs) Sometimes those things will shift and change over time. You know, for me, that's what happened. And mm-hmm. it, it's often up to the patient to kind of decide which of these diagnoses feel right to me. You know, I right. I don't like the fibromyalgia diagnosis for me, especially now that we have, you know, medication that is helping my pain directly for mast cell activation. So for me, I don't, I no longer accept fibromyalgia for myself. And a lot of my doctors have also disagreed with it as well. But, you know, it really comes down to what, you feel is right. You know, you find a doctor who says, Hey, you have CRPS and you saw one of the experts in the field and it feels right to you. And that's just like as legit as it gets, you know?
0: (laughs) Absolutely. And, uh, it's, it's really scary to me how many people and patients and they can get misdiagnosed so easily. Um, and one day maybe they'll tell me, you know, Oh no, it's something else. It could be similar to what you have. And, you know, if that happens, it's just kind of like, well, (laughs) You know, uh, I guess, like I said, I guess time will tell. Yeah. But despite uh, the diagnosis, you know, diagnoses that I've had so far, uh, the doctor in Florida seemed to think that ketamine infusions would benefit me greatly.
1: Yeah, that's fascinating. I've been hearing a lot about ketamine recently, talking about like the therapeutic application of ketamine. Which I'm just completely unfamiliar with, and it's always exciting to hear about something new. Can you tell me any more about how that works?
0: Yes. Um, so, ketamine infusions are—you um, know—it's it, a drug that is supposed to battle chronic pain. Um, it can—it can battle uh, like bipolar disorder and all sorts of uh, like uh, mental health issues as well. Wow. Um, it can—you know—I don't know all of the specifics of it, but I just know that that you know they inject you with it via via an IV in your arm. Uh, you know, and it's, it's said to really just, um, almost reset and re, uh, wire your brain, so to speak, like uh, with the chronic pain. Um, I don't, I know that for a lot of CRPS patients in particular, the effects, um, are not permanent. Like it, it will yeah. help for a while. And then you kind of, the symptoms will come back sometimes. Yeah.
1: We did a CRPS episode with country music singer, Annie Vander, that was super fun. She's mm-hmm. amazing. And she did something called mirror therapy. Uh, is this is this something you're familiar with, mirror therapy? I have
0: heard about it. I've read a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, and it worked for her. Um, mm. Yeah, I guess the idea is that if CRPS is your brain mistakenly firing off pain signals for an old injury, so you hold up a mirror so she would see her arm that does not have pain in a mirror to look like mm-hmm. it was on the other side of her body. And then, you know, kind of rewire her brain to not expect pain from that side. I I don't know if I'm explaining this clearly. You know, it's a great episode that I highly recommend people listen to. Um, But yeah, it sounds like a really interesting way to approach CRPS of sort of like neural rewiring of trying to get those mistaken pain signals to turn off.
0: Right. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Yeah. How did it feel to finally get this CRPS diagnosis? Was that sort of uh, vindication?
0: Yes, there was a lot of like um, validation for me that it wasn't all in my head. Uh, yeah. like a couple of doctors had insinuated. It was relief, but it was also very emotional, you know, yeah. a, an emotional day for me.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you when you don't have a diagnosis, it's all you want. But then when you get a diagnosis, then you have to grapple with having a chronic illness, right. which is also not super fun. But I think a better place to be than not having any sort of acknowledgement from any doctor about what's happening right yeah and when when were you diagnosed with trigeminal neuralgia
0: i've been having to go to a low-income uh, medical clinic in my town since all this started because i don't have access to health insurance Yeah, and yeah that's that's an, that's another part i guess we could talk about here in a minute but the doctor there at the time in 2021, I told her what was happening, you know, and she said, well, I'm not sure if that's what's going on. And of course, you know, that's valid of her to say. But um, after I think it was another trip to see her, she finally said, okay, you know, there's a reason you're experiencing this, this, your symptoms do line up with it. So I'm going to go ahead and give you this diagnosis. Um, And then um, it wasn't until a couple of Let's see. No, a week ago when I was in the hospital around Thanksgiving, wow, I was, I was at another hospital. Um, they treated me so well. And they actually were able to verify that I do have trigeminal neuralgia. A week ago? Yes.
1: Wow. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> it's such yeah. a weird thing to congratulate someone on having chronic pain, but it feels right. appropriate. Uh, how were they able to verify that?
0: I, I guess it was my history and, the, and uh, you know, a combination of that and the, the symptoms I told them about and just the way I, they could probably just sort of tell by, by the information mm. I was giving them. Um, I have had uh, some MRIs done and I gave them that CD. I don't know. Maybe they found something and they didn't t- quite tell me that or they, mm. but somehow they determined that it was trigeminal neuralgia for sure. Okay, so.
1: it, this just happened. So who, you know. Yes. Maybe a little too soon to say like exactly mm-hmm. what led them to that conclusion. How, how has your life changed since amassing this information about what's happening in your body? It sounds like it was very hard fought and you had so many doctors doubt you, not believe you. Mm-hmm. And now you're at this place where you have doctors who are listening to you, trusting you, willing to put a diagnosis on file for you, which is huge. How has that changed your life?
0: Well, it's been hard to process, number one, you know, that I, I have these kind of ailments that are so, like, hard to treat, painful, Um, don't have a cure. I would say my life has just been changed in the sense that I'll never be without pain. Hmm. That's, that's like I said, that's very hard to process. It's kind of like, you know, you're going to live your life every day and you're going to have these symptoms. You're probably going to not ever be completely well. And that that's very difficult.
1: Yeah, totally. But it is possible to live a happy life with pain. Yes. Yeah. But that takes some work. Is that Mm -hmm. something you've spent some time pondering?
0: Absolutely. I've come to the realization that, you know, I'm not my pain. Um, It doesn't define me. I think that's something a lot of chronic pain you know, sufferers can identify with. Like we aren't our pain. We are separate from it. Um, It's just a part of us. And it's something uh, over time you, you learn to live with it. You learn to become resilient and you learn to accept it. And over time I've, I've, it's been, it's been a struggle for me, but I've come to accept that, you know, it's there. And, Life will go on and I, I can live a happy life. I I can have good relationships with, you know, friends or a significant other, you know, when that time comes. Yeah. And things will be okay in the end. It's it's just tough. It's it's hard. And we all know this. And it's it's um just very important to, you know, have a have a support, you know, in your life, like community and people who understand social media has been such a great source for me. Um, I've learned so much. I didn't know before I've connected with these people who are so kind and understanding and it's uh, it's been a blessing in my life. And I have really utilized that tool, you know, for myself and connected with uh, connected with great people. So that's kind of how I would answer that long answer, but it's Yeah. um, yeah.
1: We all have to go through some sort of process like that. And mm-hmm. I find that if you have to be intentional about bringing joy to your life in order mm-hmm. to learn how to be happy while being in chronic pain,
0: mm-hmm.
1: it teaches you skills that are r- really valuable. Uh, yeah. What, what has that process taught you that that helps you to approach your life you know, from a place of trying to find happiness? Uh, are there any specifics that you think that that has brought to your life that are worth sharing?
0: It's hard for me to answer, but I've just I've learned that um, inner strength is something that you find in dark times. And it's something like you find that light within you and you want to raise this awareness. You want to advocate for people. You want to advocate for the unheard. And you want like people to know what this is because it's so life changing and it can happen to anybody like that. Like your life can change in an instant, like mine did. It was overnight. For tr- well, for the trigeminal neuralgia, it was absolutely overnight. And <laughs> um, you know, it, it's just you—you you learn like this. This, you have this strength that you didn't realize you had in you as a mm-hmm. human.
1: Yeah, and also your desire to tell other people about this disease.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: To me, I mean, it sounds like that's coming from a place of you want to educate so that other people can figure out what they're living through, if they are going through a mystery and sort yes. of you know, be there for each other yes. and you've grown this empathy for other people going through something similar because you've lived how awful it is and going through it is bad enough, going through it alone is worse. So if we can be there for each other and you know support each other through social media, you, know, you often won't have a neighbor with trigeminal neuralgia, but there are other people out there. So when you reach out, You know, when you are public with your story, when you share about on social media, when you share your story today on the podcast, you know, you are reaching out to other people living through something similar and giving them at least companionship inside of this pain, which is so valuable.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I've definitely learned to have this like empathy for people who struggle with any chronic disease uh, not just what I have, of course. Um, there have been people with multiple sclerosis, uh, people with uh, occipital neuralgia, other mm. very painful illnesses that have reached out. It's given me a sense of purpose and fulfillment.
1: Yeah, that's beautiful. What is your pain scale? You know, what's the lowest pain day? What's the highest pain day from 1 to 10?
0: Ooh. So in a CRPS flare, I would rate the pain above a 10.
1: Above a ten, wow! Yes. Just your body's just on fire and you can't stop it.
0: Yes, a lot of people with complex regional pain syndrome can relate. Uh, the, the pain scale for CRPS is different than a regular pain scale because mm. um, it's it's almost like there's a whole other level of it. That's the same with trigeminal neuralgia too. When I had my first attack in 2021, I would describe the pain I felt like an 11 or 12 out of 10. Wow, and. With CRPS, it's kind of like, you're experiencing this, but you're still here. And it's like you're trying to process what your body is feeling at the moment. And yeah, it's well above a 10. But I would say um, on my good days, it's probably at like a seven to an eight.
1: That's so high. That's Mm -hmm. a good day. That's awful. Your nervous system must just be wrecked all the time if you're in that amount of pain. Are there any like Exercises you do, or or ways to try to bring a sense of calm to your nervous system to give yourself any sort of a break.
0: Absolutely. So i I meditate. I, I'm really into meditation, and i I will get into my position, and I will just silence my brain. I will silence my mind, and I yeah. will try to think. Okay, you know, I'm here. Um, I'm gonna. I'm gonna like lose that awareness of my pain. I'm just going to focus on my consciousness and, and, and me being here. Like I'm not going to focus on anything else. And I let go of everything. I, I do deep breathing as well. I, I just, I practice like mindfulness and stillness like being still. Yeah. And there are moments where I feel my pain completely because you have to acknowledge that it's there before you can kind of um, release that and be in a mindset of um, just absolute still stillness. It's, it, it's, it's, um it's definitely something that's, um, you have to experience it yourself to fully understand it. It's very difficult to be still in, in your mind with, with this kind of pain, but it, I think it is possible.
1: It's also so hard that this is invisible because Yes. <laughs> and you know, this is something I also have experience with, of like my body's on fire and I'm just like sitting around with some people watching TV or something. And there's a part of you that wants everyone to know that like my body's on fire right now. You know, you're just having fun over there, but I'm in excruciating pain. But there's also a part of you that wants no one to know because it's this thing that is sort of wrong that, you know, none of us want to have things wrong with us but it's this thing that just feels wrong on this like base human level of like i'm in pain and i shouldn't be so there's that like conflicting wanting to be seen and also wanting to be invisible inside of an invisible illness that's been my experience is is that your experience as well
0: absolutely yeah definitely it's um uh, it's like you you almost wish that people could see it but you know that that's not the case. And it's, um, it's like, you can, you feel every bit of it. You can, you're, you're, you're experiencing this, but like n- people around you may look at you and be like, Oh, you don't look sick or you don't look like you're in pain, but we learn over time to mask and like yeah. make Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, how has this changed your life? How has this changed the trajectory of what you wanted to do with your life? You know, you're 28 years old. You're in so much pain that has mm-hmm. to change the day to day of of what you do. You know, I know for me, I, I didn't work for, you know, almost seven years and I'm now building back some resilience to do some work again, which is really exciting. But I didn't expect to not work for pretty much the entirety of my 30s. Um, how has that changed your life?
0: Well, like you, um for a long time uh, well, I'm not working currently. Um it's it, it just brings the sense of oh, you know, I'm I'm a person who is very um work oriented. I I have always had high goals, I've always been a hard worker and then when you are in a state where you can't do that, it's man, it, it really like messes with you a little bit. It's kind of like well, I have all this pain. I'm I I can't do a, I can't work a job. I can't do a nine to five because it's like, it's so unpredictable. I don't know if I'm going to be okay one day or the next. Yeah. You know, I'm definitely what I, uh, what people consider a spoonie. I have to watch my energy. I have to watch how many spoons I have in a given day because I can overdo it. I can overdo it easily. So it's like, I'm having to gauge this, um, amount of things I can do in a given day. And that, that is absolutely life-changing. It's like before I could do whatever I wanted to pretty much. And now I have to be so careful.
1: Yeah, totally. Have you applied to disability? Is that something that's on your radar?
0: Yeah. So I have a story with that. Um. <laughs> um, um so I live in the state of Tennessee. Like I mentioned, we have a insurance uh, called 10 care here and 10 care has strict policies and coverage groups in place. If you don't qualify in these situations or circumstances, you can't get health insurance. Wow. So some of those include, you have to be pregnant. You have to be um, over, I think a certain age, like 65. Um, You have to be homeless, or you have to. It's children and pregnancy and that sort of thing. And if you don't fit what what they deem qualified, like if, if you don't fit into these categories, you can't get health insurance. And that has been my experience. I've been turned down five times. Wow. Mm-hmm. As far as um social security benefits go, I've been turned down three times. Yeah. And. Two and a half years. Um, I've had um, two different attorneys. My first one was not doing a great job representing me or communicating with me. So I got a new one, a disability attorney, and she's, she's doing great uh, so far. I have a hearing in January with a very difficult judge. So yeah. I'm very nervous.
1: Yeah, I just went through this process. I got an attorney and had a hearing, just found out that I actually won my case and got disability Which is shocking. And if I hadn't gotten a diagnosis, I don't think it would have happened because we really, you know, that's really important when you're Mm -hmm. fighting for disability to be able to tell a judge why this is happening. I think a lot of people don't know that disability attorneys are generally free unless they win your case. Then they take uh, money from what you earn from winning your case, which is what's happening with me. I'm getting back pay for um, about four years because it took three years to get disability. And then the, in in my state, they can backdate up to 12 months if your onset date is before then. Yes. Yeah. So I'm still shocked that I actually won because it was such a battle. Uh, but it's definitely a battle worth fighting. It sounds like you're doing everything you can and you have this hearing coming up. And mm-hmm. sometimes there's so much luck involved. You know, getting the right judge can be part of it. Uh, my lawyer, told me that like the judge I got was actually a really good draw for me, a judge that is very reasonable and will listen to people like me. So that was very lucky. Um, I've got my fingers crossed for you. If you don't win this case, I mean, you just keep, keep appealing, right. Until you get someone to listen to you because I won my case because of exactly what you're talking about, which is the unpredictability. You can't work a nine to five because you don't know what days you're going to be able to show up to work. And you know, I make this podcast. It brings so much joy to my life. I have a Patreon that supports me. I'm looking into you know, advertisers for the show. I'm hoping to build a career for myself. That's always been something in the back of my mind. But on any given day, if I'm working on the podcast and I flare up, I close the computer and I go lie down. And that happens all the time, even still with my huge improvement that I've gotten since getting a diagnosis. you know, The other day, I had some cabbage that had some like little black spots in it. I didn't notice it until like the next day I looked it up. It's like a form of like a fungus that attacks cabbage. It's Mm. usually safe to eat unless you cook it and then it can release mold spores and mold is my MCAS trigger. And the day that I had that for breakfast, you know, I cooked up some of this cabbage to go with my eggs. Four hours later, I'm flat out. Can't do anything in so much pain, like horrible flare up. Had no idea why. Figured it out the next day when I saw, oh, this cabbage is covered in these black spots and I've been eating this, you know? Mm -hmm. So with with mast cell activation, you just never know when something like that's going to happen. And even with improvement and medication, I'm still wildly unpredictable. And that's why I won my case. That was, you know, the main argument is that I can't be relied upon. So how am I going to be hired by anyone? But I'm trying to do it my own way, you know, make my own life, make my own career that is something that brings me joy that I feel passionate about. I love doing this. It's so, it's so fun. I love talking to people like you. I, I still get this incredible sense of feeling seen and heard by hearing your story, because there's so many similarities to what I've lived through. And I just know, you know, from experience living for years, never having spoken to anyone with anything even remotely similar, I just felt so isolated. You know, all these doctors telling me that I was making it up, that it was all in my mind I started to question my own mind and my own sanity because of that. It's just so hard to go through it alone, but you know, but you aren't alone. There's so many of us going through it. If you're listening to this, if you're watching this, you aren't alone. You know, there are other people out in the world going through what you're going through and we have to just keep fighting and things can improve. I have seen improvement that has astonished me. I won disability. I got two diagnoses. I have medication that's working. If you told me that, you know, a year ago, two years ago, I, it would have been the fuel that would have kept me fighting. So we can fuel each other. You know, I, just my story happened. So it's possible. And you have your diagnosis. Now you have two diagnoses that you had to fight so hard for. You have doctors listening to you. You're still fighting on the disability front, but I think that that is possible for you as well. And we just have to Mm -hmm. keep fighting.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And I was talking about how difficult, you know, my attorney told me this judge is. Uh, I found out she has only approved 14%. Oof. Yeah. Wow. Her cases. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I I don't know if the laws are different in each state, but if she denies you, can you appeal again? Yes. Yeah. Is there a limit on how many times you can appeal?
0: I don't know for sure, but I don't think so. Um, I, I was told that I would have to start the process all over again after waiting two and a half years
1: oh right and then your onset date will change which is really frustrating because if you if you have to start from scratch a new file then they can only backdate from a year from that point instead of backdating from when you initially applied
0: um i don't know so i don't know if maybe they would go back a year before 2021 because that's when i came down with trigeminal neuralgia i'm not sure
1: yeah and it's i think it's different from state to state all these things are so confusing and it's yeah. such a nightmare if you're in Washington State look up Chihawk and Chihawk that's my my lawyer John Chihawk he did a great job uh, mm-hmm. WADisability.com. if you're in Washington I can't recommend them enough he won my case so you know what else do you need to know but right yeah
0: <laughs> um, I will say um, that the last hospital I was at uh, around Thanksgiving um they're they're going crazy far and like to try and help me they're they're going beyond so they actually um i received a call the other day from some kind of insurance policy worker or something she she told me that um she might be able to get me emergency medicaid and that they did a screening Mm. and questions i haven't heard back yet but i might be able to uh get some medicaid despite everything
1: Amazing, yeah. You absolutely deserve Medicaid. I've been on Medicaid for uh, for years, which yeah. is it's for me. It was very easy to get in Washington State, which I'm mm-hmm. so grateful for. It's that's been just the biggest help, you know. I, my yeah. medical insurance has been amazing while going through this process of trying to find a diagnosis. I saw so many doctors. I started over at a completely different medical center, and my bills were usually zero and now i'm on this medication chromaline sodium for mast cell activation i just found out that it's like 3500 dollars a month and you know how would i ever pay for that i would just be sick you know i i would just not be able to treat my disease if i didn't have this medicaid insurance which is covering the entire cost which is astonishing so there are good things out there there's good services out there and you absolutely deserve to be to be able to take advantage of that, the fact that you haven't been able to up until now is incredibly unfair.
0: Yes, and a lot of people say the healthcare system is broken. I absolutely agree with that. It's a shame that there are so many people like with rare diseases out there, they can't get any help. Like that has been my experience the past two and a half years. I haven't, couldn't get any help. I was freaking out. You know, there's been days I've had panic attacks and just meltdowns because I was thinking, what am I going to do? And in Tennessee, it's especially bad. And I don't know, you know, it's just been a very difficult journey. It's been a long journey. And actually, I will share something else. So part of the reason I think I have been doubted so much for my chronic pain is because I also suffer from Bipolar disorder—that's oh, another wow. thing. Yeah. yeah. So of course they're going to try and look at me and think, okay, you know, they're just they're um it, it, oh they're they're experiencing a mental health crisis. This isn't what yeah. what what. Yeah. So that has also caused me a lot of obstacles and problems.
1: Yeah, um, I really appreciate you sharing that with us and. Mm-hmm. I can only imagine, you know, I, there's so much anxiety and depression that comes with being chronically ill. And that's something that I learned to stop talking about with my doctors, because the moment you bring up any mental health concerns, then all medical care crashes to a screeching halt. And it's like, oh, well, this is all in your mind. You know, it's, it's like, it's so unfair and it's wrong. You know, people with bipolar disorder can also have CRPS and chronic pain. Mm -hmm. and to assume that bipolar disorder is causing you to think that you're in chronic pain, that's absolutely ridiculous. It's completely wrong. It's, it's backwards thinking, but it's so common. And I, you know, I really, I really feel for you on that because it's so hard to, to fight when you have any barriers in your way at all, you know, not having a diagnosis is a barrier, you know, not being able to get health insurance is a huge barrier. And then to, you know, to have a, a mental health diagnosis is very unfairly also a barrier. That's something that makes me so angry. I'm so sorry you're, you're yes. dealing with that.
0: Yes. And the the word, there's one word that makes me angry. It's psychosomatic. That ah, makes me
1: angry. yeah, I know, I know. So angry. Yes. <laughs> oh
0: my yes. God. And that
1: triggers me too. I, that's Yeah, that, it's uh, triggering. Yeah. Um
0: and I actually um yeah. So just to, you know, let the audience know. How severely you can be mistreated in this situation. I went to a hospital. I won't name the hospital, but uh, they actually threatened because of my, I was complaining of chronic pain. I was saying, oh, you know, I don't know if I can deal with this or live anymore. Yeah. Mm. They actually threatened to send me somewhere because of that.
1: Wow. And you're, mm-hmm. I mean, you're expressing the legitimate concern of like, I don't know how to live with this, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and they're taking that to be a sign that you are expressing self-harm. Yes. I understand that that's a very sensitive thing to for doctors to hear, and they are probably going to lean on the side of caution for, to protect mm-hmm. themselves if someone says something like that. But we're so often just left in, in these impossible choices and mm-hmm. these impossible positions where people aren't listening. And it, it can feel like you can't get through it. So, yeah. I mean, I I really hear what you're saying and I I feel like I have a sense of what you've had to experience and it's horrible. <laughs> I'm yeah. so sorry. How do you keep going? You know, what what fuels you to keep to keep in this fight and to keep powering through?
0: Really? It's just Knowing that I can make a difference in this world if I stick around, knowing that I can help all these people and knowing that like there is a life after chronic pain. You know, Um, there's so many opportunities I can still accept in this life. There are so many experiences to be had and really just my love for my friends and family. I I want to be there for people. I want to. Have my voice heard and have other and help other people have their voice heard. it's that just driving factor like I, I I have a drive. I've always had a strong drive inside of me and there's just something about that fight. I want to fight the good fight.
1: yeah, yeah, that's beautiful. Well, yeah. I have one more question for you. Sure. Uh, if you could hop in a time machine and travel back to 2021 when your chronic pain journey kicks off in earnest. And I'm sure that you were just terrified in that moment and you hurt and you don't know why. Mm -hmm. If you could come back in time and give yourself a message from the future to try to ease your passage through that transition, learning to live with chronic pain, what would that message
0: be? The message would be life is still worth living and you're going to see that and you're going to help so many people.
1: Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. And, you know like we were talking about living a happy fulfilling life is absolutely still possible inside of chronic illness chronic pain disability it's an adjustment period if it's something that is new to you human beings it are if anything adaptable and we can learn to live with things that would shock you even being in level 7 to 12 pain every day mm-hmm. you're living proof that that is something that can be managed that you can learn to exist within it's unfair you shouldn't have to do it but you (laughs) don't have a choice except for how you try to live with it and that's the choice that you make every day and i mean from where i'm sitting i'm so impressed with how you're managing that for what it's worth i think you're doing an awesome job
0: (laughs) thank you so much Um yeah
1: absolutely serena this has been so much fun what a great conversation i've absolutely loved talking to you today Please tell our listeners where they can go to connect with you online, to check out the advocacy work that you're doing on social media, or anything else that you'd like to plug.
0: Sure. So, um, on Instagram, I am flutist f l u t i s t underscore on underscore fire. <laughs> <laughs> flutist on fire. So yes, I, I'm a flutist of nearly twenty years. So. That, that is my name because CRPS causes the burning sensation. Yeah. So I'm a flutist on fire.
1: <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. so I love that. Instagram.
0: Thank you. So that is Instagram and Facebook. I, I invite people to add me on Facebook. Um, my name is simply uh, Serena Huffine. That's S-E-R-E-N-A-H-U-F-F-I-N-E.
1: Awesome. I'll tag you on Instagram when this uh, goes live. I can't thank you enough for coming on the show, for sharing your story and for being so open with something that is just so hard to live with. So easily misunderstood to just be out on this platform with your story. It takes so much courage and bravery. And I, I really, really appreciate it. Um, You did such an amazing job today. Serena, thank you so much for coming on the show.
0: Thank you for having me. Thank you so much.
1: Thanks for listening to this episode of Major Pain. I'm Jesse Mercury, your host and the producer of this podcast. Artwork by Egg Salad Salad. Our theme music is the song Time Machine from my sci-fi synth-pop album, available at jessemercury.bandcamp.com. Send your thoughts or questions to our email address, majorpainpodcast at gmail.com. You can also use that address to find us on PayPal. Tips are greatly appreciated. Don't forget to leave a positive rating and review on Apple Podcasts or the podcast platform of your choice. Find more information about this show or leave a comment on any episode at our website, majorpainpodcast.com.